0: as I am.
1: In that setting. Hard to believe that Noelle is old enough to have a little two-year-old. Seems like just yesterday that she was that age. What a beautiful family. Thank you so much. We greet all of you in the name of Christ Jesus our Lord, as we're commanded to do in all things commanded to keep him uppermost in our mind as we consider all the blessed events he has given us and done for us. I asked the brethren that as they came up, if they would notice, and I want you to notice the same thing without too much observation, but the communion table down here. Is whiter than this pulpit. I didn't notice it till just a few months ago. I know that it had been worked on. But in all the beauty of this pulpit, which my brother Bud made, built for us, in all this beauty and whiteness, the communion table surpasses that. That's for a reason. When we come to remember him, especially on the first Sunday of the month. How blessed we are to have what we have. Brother Jeff wanted us to sing hymn number 99, Worldly Cares a Moment, Leave Us. And that, if you'll know, is a Wednesday evening prayer service song. We hardly sing that with the accompaniment of the piano. But as he was telling me that that's what he liked to have, I couldn't have agreed more. But we're going to do that. Behold, you have my gospel before you, and my rock, and my salvation. Ask the Father in my name, in faith believing, that you shall receive, and you shall have the Holy Ghost, which manifests all things. Which is expedient unto the children of men. We do turn with us now to him 99.
2: Gracious and holy God, we come to Thee in the name of Thy Son Jesus. Firstly, to praise Thy holy name, to thank You for our many gifts and blessings through life's journey together. Father, we are so thankful for the peace that's in this place as we've gathered here on this Your holy day. Father, it is our desire. That you might fill each heart here with your Holy Spirit guiding us in those ways of righteousness. I pray that you be with my brother Jeff as he would share those thoughts you place upon his mind. That we as your children might be edified together in that oneness of spirit. Bless us, Father, as we wait for that great and glorious day of the return of your Son. I pray in Jesus Christ's name. Amen.
3: I'm going to read from section 73. Behold, this is what the Lord requires of every man in his stewardship, even as I the Lord have appointed or shall have to appoint unto any man. And behold, none are exempt from this law who belong to the church of the living God. Yea, neither the bishop, neither the agent, who keepeth the Lord's storehouse, neither who is appointed in a stewardship over temple things. He who is appointed to minister spiritual things, the same is worthy of his hire, even as those who are appointed to more abundantly, which abundance is multiplied unto them through the manifestations of the Spirit. Nevertheless, in your temple things, you shall be equal, and this not grudgingly. Otherwise, the abundance of the manifestations of the Spirit shall be withheld. May we pray with me? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. We ask that uh, you bless this offering, that you bless those who are giving, that uh, your Spirit be with them. I ask that you bless those who wish to give but cannot. We ask that you bless those who handle and direct the money, that you'll give them wisdom and integrity. That we have that we may have the manifestations of the Spirit more abundantly. And I ask this in the name of thy son, even Jesus the Christ. Amen.
4: For your consideration this morning, I read to you from the 18th section of the Doctrine and Covenants, the entire sixth paragraph. Pray always, and I will pour out my Spirit upon you, and great shall be your blessing. Yea, even more than if you should obtain treasures of earth and corruptibleness to the extent thereof. Behold, canst thou read this without rejoicing and lifting up thy heart for gladness? Or canst thou run about longer as a blind guide? Or canst thou be humble? And meek, and conduct thyself wisely before me. Yea, come unto me thy Savior. Amen. Amen. Just beautiful. I'll tell you what, how great Thou art, how appropriate. That was beautiful. I'll tell you what, that was a wonderful duet. The piano couldn't have been any better either. I'll tell you what, it was, it was all really well done. Um, reminds me of when uh, my wife and I were first married. We started uh, standing together in the in the pews there, and uh, I wanted to hold the hymnal up here, and she wanted to hold the hymnal down here, and we had to. You know, we had to compromise there, and that's, you know, that's, that's what you have to do. The 16th chapter of Alma is, uh, primarily deals with a mission trip. There's a mission trip of uh, Alma and Amulek to a people who call themselves the Zoramites. And these uh, the Zoramites, they live in a city somewhat east of Zarahemla, and they have uh, sort of separated themselves off from the rest of the, the Nephites. They desire to worship the Lord their God after the manner of their choosing. And so Alma and Amulek and there's a few others, I go along with them and they, uh, they travel to these Zoramites and they make some, some interesting observations. The Zoramites want to worship the Lord. They built a few synagogues uh, to that effort uh, in, their, in their city there. And in their synagogues, they have this, this stand in the middle of the synagogue there. And it's, it's high and it's narrow and it only omits one person there at the very top. They call it the holy stand, Rameumptom. And once upon this stand, they begin to pray in a very uh, vocal and very public way. They pray these prayers And uh, the manner of these prayers is one seems to indicate a lot of vanity. They pray that they are thankful that the Lord has selected them, that they are special and unique, and that they have not fallen after the foolish traditions of their their brethren or their fathers there. They pray in thankfulness that they are, are better than their fellow man. And once they've descended this holy stand, they turn their heart from the Lord and continue about their regular business. Alma observes, they love gold and silver and precious things and fine twine linen. The Zormites have made a decision amongst their uh, brethren that there are certain people who are not allowed into the synagogue. They must have thought that these don't represent the best of the Zoramites, but uh, they said there's a certain class of people they no longer allow to enter into these synagogues. It's the poor. They don't allow the poor among them. I say their their apparel is too coarse. So it is when Alma and Amulek and the others begin to preach and teach among these Zoramites as the poor and the downtrodden that first come out to greet them. And there on Hill Oneida, the poor show up and Alma recognizes them immediately. And he salutes them and he, he addresses them and he says, I behold that ye are lowly in heart, and if so, blessed are ye. Lowly in heart. They say, well, Alma, we, we want to worship our God, but they won't let us. We want to go and worship our God, but they won't allow us into these synagogues. The synagogues where they don't practice Mosaic law or the, the ordinances thereof. They, they won't allow us into these synagogues. We can't worship our God. They won't let us. And if you read Alma's response to these Zoramites, uh, especially the, the very beginning there and also the words of Amulek, and tries to teach them, these Zoramites, that God is not contained. The words of Amulek here as he teaches them, and starting in verse 219, he tries to teach them about prayer. He says, Yea, humble yourselves and continue in prayer unto him. Cry unto him when ye are in your fields, yea, over all your flocks. Cry unto him in your houses, yea, over all your household, both morning, midday, and evening. Yea, cry unto him over the power of your enemies. Yea, cry unto him against the devil, who is an enemy to all righteousness. Cry unto him over the crops of your fields, that ye may prosper in them. Cry over the flocks of your fields, that they may increase. But this is not all. You must pour out your souls in your closets and in your secret places and in your wilderness. Yea, and when you do not cry unto the Lord, yet your hearts be full, drawn out in prayer unto him continually. For your welfare and also for the welfare of those who are around you. The words of Amulek unto the Zormites is God is not contained. It's not found in that, that box, that room there that you call the synagogue. He's not found there only, but he is found everywhere. Amulek preaches to the Azuramites that God should not be contained, but he should be invited into every part of your life. He should be invited into every corner of your life, in every room, in your house, and in every conversation that you have, and in every time you go to work, and every deed and activity that you do, that God should be a part of every part of your life. Cry unto your Lord when ye are in your houses. Cry unto him when ye are in your fields. Morning, midday, and evening. God is not contained. should be a part of every part of our lives. Here in Alma teaches them, of course, of the manner of prayer. Trying to express to them. That prayer is but a faintest glimmer. It is a shadow. Prayer is just a ray of sunshine, a star in a dark night. It is is just a whisper of the kind of conversation that God wants to have with you. When God created us, we were in the Garden of Eden, and He walked and talked with His creation face to face. He hugged them, He shook their hands, and He stands before them even as I stand before you now. He looks into their eyes. And that is the same kind of conversation that God will have with us in celestial glory. It says it's not necessary to bring a candle down a hallway in celestial glory because the light of the Lord is there. It lights up every corner. A prayer is only a whisper of the kind of conversation that God desires to have with you. Dear brothers and sisters, when we leave this world, you will have a face-to-face conversation with your God, to be sure. My opening scripture, the doctor and Covenants there. it reads, Pray always, and I will pour out my Spirit upon you, and great shall be your blessing. Pray always. A prayer is an activity. Close our eyes. We fold our hands. Some of us like to get down on our knees. Can't be on your knees all day long. So, how is it that a man can pray always but to have your heart drawn out unto your Lord continually? After we pray, the activity is not over. Don't turn your heart away from the Lord, but turn your heart constantly and forever to the Lord. It says, Pray always, and I will pour out my Spirit upon you, and great shall be your blessing. The word is great. Great. Should be your blessing here in this earth and in this life. Great should be your blessing and in the world to come. You know, I remember I was a, a high school senior, and let's uh, see, my grandmother's cousin uh, would call our house sometimes we would all go to the, the same branch, so we'd see each other every Sunday. And uh, sometimes she would call throughout the week. And she and my grandmother, they would, uh, you know, they would talk sometimes for hours. And sometimes you know, I would get a chance to, to talk with her. And um, you know, we, she would talk. And I remember clearly that she uh, asked me one time, she said, well, what does the Lord have planned for you? So well, you know, I, I don't really know. That's, that's kind of a hard question for a high school senior to answer. What does the Lord have planned for me? I'm not real sure. And she she said, well, before you go off to college and before you start in a career that might eventually lead to frustration, it might be wise for you to go ahead and examine yourself and see what, what kind of blessings that the Lord has given you. What, what has the Lord built up in you? What are your talents? And what are you... Designed for? What are you best suited for? And I remember it was shortly after my college graduation that I asked for an administration by the elders. It wasn't an administration for the sick, it was an administration for my future. Because I remember at the time that I had just graduated from college that I was preparing to make a lot of decisions in my life, a lot of decisions that are important to a young adult. I was going to decide where I was going to work, where I was going to live, who I was going to marry. And so I knew that of my own accord that I didn't have the capacity in order to answer correctly in all of these uh, situations. And so I knew that my Lord did. And so I, I, I asked the elders that the Lord would bless me in these decisions. I invited the Lord into my life and in the major decisions, and in the minor decisions of my life, and I can testify to you that there is truth in these words, great shall be your blessing. My life has been blessed. It's not easy, but it has been blessed. I've had a career where I can help other people. I've, I've married a wonderful woman and mother to my children. It's not been easy. It's no easy way to argue with family. I remember distinctly, in the course of my wife's pregnancy, I had to make peace with the very real probability that I was going to lose one or even both of my children. But the Lord saw fit to bless us and carry us through this and the evidence of which is clutching to their mother in the pew at the back. This week I took them outside in my backyard and we played softball. We played catch and we set up the tee and we ran the bases and I chased them with the water hose. My life has been blessed that there is truth in these words. Pray always and I will pour out my spirit upon you and great shall be your blessing. The Lord has carried us through Difficulty. we have been blessed and it's obvious invite the Lord in into every activity and in every relationship and every conversation that you have and you will be blessed have your heart drawn out unto the Lord continually invite him into every room in your house and every box that you own and every shadow and every corner and you will be blessed greatly For those of you who need to hear it, if there's an activity that you want to hide from your Heavenly Father, there's a part of your life that you don't want Him involved with, perhaps you ought to think about getting rid of that activity and not getting rid of your Lord. Christ's ministry on this earth began in baptism and 40 days in the wilderness. Now baptism and 40 days, as Matthew likes to recall, those 40 days were spent in fasting and communing with his Heavenly Father. It's interesting to note that after those 40 days, did the adversary uh, appear. It was only after that Christ had finished his fast and communion with his heavenly Father that the adversary did appear to tempt him. In the uh, sixth chapter of Luke, uh, the Lord, in order to escape the throng of people that surrounded him, he resorted to a mountain. And there he prayed all night. And into the morning, and it was in the morning that he called twelve of his disciples to him and ordained them as apostles. Again, as his apostles asked him, Teach us to pray, even as John taught his disciples to pray. He taught them what to pray for. What did he say? Thy kingdom come, thine will be done. The end of Christ's ministry here on this earth at least amongst the Jews, was on the cross where, again, he prayed to his heavenly father a few times. And then also in the garden of Gethsemane, the stones throw away from his apostles, kneeling down, sweating as if it were great drops of blood. An angel appeared to bolster him up, issued those words described in the mind of Christians everywhere. If it be possible... Let this cup pass from before me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. A few hours before that, Christ and his apostles celebrating the Passover meal, he begins to pray. Seeing that his time on this earth is drawing to a close, that his hour has come, he begins to pray to his heavenly Father. John, An apostle, eyewitness to the event, records his beautiful words. And the 17th chapter is dedicated to that. I'll read part of it here. These words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify thy son that thy son also may glorify thee. As thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. I have manifested thy name unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world. Thine they were, and thou gavest them me, and they have kept thy word. I pray for them. I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me, for they are thine. And all mine are thine, and thine are mine, and I am glorified in them. And now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to thee, Holy Father, keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word, that they all may be one as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. A beautiful prayer, I did not read all of it, but a beautiful prayer by our Lord Jesus Christ. And he prays personally for himself, saying, asking the Lord God to accept him, for shortly he is to move out of this world. Accept me as I return to you, Father. And then he prays for the welfare of those who are around him. prays for his apostles. He said, Lord, you have given them to me, and I have given them thy word, and they have kept thy word. And he prays for them knowing that he will return to his Father, but they will be here on this earth. And so he prays that the Lord will keep them in his own name, that they may be one as we are. And again, he continues to pray, not for these alone, but also for them which believe on me through their word, but that stretches on forth through history even until today. Your Lord Jesus Christ prays for you even today. He continues to pray for us. He says that they all may be one. What he's praying for here is the kind of unity that you find in the city of Zion, where all are of one heart and of one mind. He prays that even though he will return to his heavenly Father and become one with him, that his apostles and those that believe on the words of their name may all be gathered together in one, one heart and of one mind, gathered in unity with their Heavenly Father. If God is in every part of your life, if He has entered into every room and in every box and in every corner, if God truly is in every conversation and in every activity and every relationship that you have, then the primary reason for prayer is to better understand the will of God in it. The primary reason for prayer is to better understand the will of God in your lives. The primary reason for prayer is to better understand what God would have for you to do in this world while you are still yet here. What does God have planned for you while you still live? Lectures on faith uh, talk about this to some degree, especially lecture number six. It says to pray to better understand the will of God. And then once you have done it, you are able to move about this world with an unshakable faith. To have the faith necessary in order to obtain salvation. But there is no defeat that can defeat you. There is no success that can ruin you. There is No obstacle in this world, there is no result that could move you from your faith in your Heavenly Father knowing that you do His will in your life. So the counsel is to get yourself straight with the Lord. Pray to better understand the will of God in your life and then do it. Get yourself straight with God. You will have an unshakable faith knowing that you go to bed every night knowing, not believing or fancying or flattering that you do the will of your Heavenly Father, that you pleased Him this day. The Lord does not dwell in unholy temples, we know this, but rather we learn in the 63rd section of the Doctrine and Covenants in paragraph 16 that we receive the Spirit through prayer. We receive the Spirit through prayer. That makes prayer a mighty tool indeed. And if we receive the Spirit in our lives, that it will be exampled in our actions. It will be present in our relationships, in our conversations. If we receive the Spirit into our lives and in everything that we do, that it will be obvious. Or fellow man, consider yourselves from this past week. Consider, where were you? What were you doing? Do you remember conversations you had? Was the spirit of the Lord there? Was there love? You know, I had to explain to my kids the difference between fun and joy. Those are not the same thing. You know, I think it's easy to point to politics as a dividing line, to separate us from them. Their clothing is uh, it's too coarse. It takes a strong spirit indeed to bring peace and unity and share the gospel. If Enoch had such a strong faith that he was able to improve the faith of an entire city of people over the course of one year, such that that city was so righteous and so important to our Lord that he decided to protect that city and remove it from the earth so that it would not suffer temptation or ruin. How long-suffering is God is for us? We have commandments regarding a city. How long-suffering is God is for us? Does it not teach us to be long-suffering for our fellow man? Gentleness, goodness. It's impossible to please your Lord without faith. Meekness. This last week, did you show temperance? The fruits of the Spirit are not goals, they are not goals to reach to. They are examples of the Spirit moving in you. If you do not have the fruits of the Spirit displayed in your life, then there is no Spirit in you. You listen to the wrong Spirit. It's not for us to find joy or to... To fake joy is to have joy, knowing that we and our service pleases our heavenly Father, for it is only when we are in service to our fellow man or we in service to our God. <clears throat> the book of Enos is a small one, only one chapter. And yet, and this book is three separate prayers that Enos prays to his heavenly Father. Enos is the son of Jacob, and Jacob the younger brother of Nephi. And Enos goes on a hunting trip, and he's out in the wilderness, and he testifies that the words which his father so often repeated sank deep in his heart. And he found himself unable to move until he had prayed unto his heavenly father. Found himself that he couldn't move forward, He couldn't do anything until he prayed to his heavenly father. And so he knelt down and he prayed and he prayed all day long. Prayed into the night even. Prayed and he says and prayed until his prayers eventually reached heaven and he received a confirmation through his heavenly father saying that, yes, his sins were forgiven, knowing that that God is a God of truth and cannot lie, his guilt was immediately swept away. And so he began to pray for the welfare of those who are around him, his brethren, the Nephites. He prayed that God would continue to visit them. And the Lord again answered his prayer and he said, yes, I'll visit them. And I'll visit them, uh, their transgressions upon their heads. And then Enos being uh, at this point in history is only separated the, the division between the, the Nephites and the Lamanites is only very fresh in their history at that point. And so uh, Enos, knowing that there has already been skirmishes between the Nephites and the Lamanites, and knowing that there has already been an attempt to bring the Lamanites back to the true faith of the Lord, he begins to pray for these Lamanites. He says, uh, "These Lamanites have sworn in their wrath that if they could, they would eliminate." the Nephites. Every last man they would eliminate. And if it were in their power that they would also destroy our records and also they would erase the traditions of our fathers. So Enos prays to his heavenly father and he asks God that if it is that the Nephites do dwindle in faith and if they are destroyed, but that the record, the record would survive. And that this record would eventually uh, be brought back to the convincing of the Lamanites. This plates we have here translated before us. The express purpose of these plates to the convincing of the Lamanites, the Lemuelites, and the Ishmaelites. Which task, frankly, this church has not had a lot of success in. But here it is that Enos is praying not only for his present generation, but maybe some distant, far-off generation that maybe they may be saved. Did you know, I don't know anything about canning. Nothing. I have no understanding of canning. None. I have no experience. I've never seen it done. I go to the supermarket every week and I see cans and cans of vegetables, green beans and corn and and sweet potatoes and everything. There's a whole aisle full of it. I have no idea how any of those cans make it onto the shelf. It's a mystery to me. I have no idea. Is there some machine that you use in canning? Is there? It's got to be some kind of process. Does the size of the jar make any difference when, when canning? I I really have no idea. It's a mystery to me. I remember uh, it was a few years ago now. I was I was a young priest at the time, and it was just before church service began. Now, there was you know a few minutes of of uh, passing time there and I walked into the sanctuary and there was uh, two people in the sanctuary had had already, already sat down in the pews and, and I went and I didn't know either one of them but I went and I sat down uh, near one of them I sat, um, there was this little old lady who looked like she was in the attitude of prayer and I didn't want to disturb her I didn't know her, she didn't know me so I sat down in the pew behind her and uh, I tried not to disturb her and yet uh, she was not quite as uh, timid or shy as me, and she immediately turned around and started talking to me. And, you know, I can't remember exactly how, but we started talking about prayer. And she told me she cans her prayers. I said, "You what? And she said, yes, I can my prayer. Do you can your prayers? I said, I, I've never, I, I guess I don't and uh, she told me that at her age that she had to start canning her prayers that she would she would pray for not only her welfare but the welfare of her children and her grandchildren and even her great-grandchildren and she would pray for them even as they started as little babies she would pray that they would grow up and develop and that they would they would learn the lord and that they would uh, learn to love the Lord, and that they would have good friends, and that they would find a good job, and they would find a good mate, and get married, and that they would have good lives. And I said, that's a lot to pray for when they're little babies. You pray for all of that? She says, yes, I, I can my prayers, so that when they grow up, that they, when they need that blessing, it'll be right there on the shelf, ready to go. And I said, well, you know, that's, that's a really interesting idea. And to pray not only for our welfare, but the welfare of our families throughout all of their generations. And I do. I have prayed for my family and your families. I have prayed for the success of this church and this branch Uh, until the day of our Lord should come. I have prayed that uh, this branch would continue in strength and faith unto the Lord. But. Prayer does not resolve us of responsibility. Section 68 in the fourth paragraph indicates that we have a responsibility. Parents and to their children teach them according to baptism and prayer and faith. This is my prayer for you, my dear brothers and sisters. You will let the Lord enter into all parts of your life You'll learn His will for you. Every day you are here is another opportunity to serve the Lord your God. And that you and your families will be kept in the faith of the Lord.
5: Shall we pray? Our Father who art in heaven, we do come before thee this morning, Father, with praises in our heart for the blessings you've bestowed upon us, for the gift and power and presence of your Spirit. The Spirit that we've felt this morning, the Spirit that has a desire to be with us all of our lives, wherever and whenever. We come before you, Father, whenever we reach our hands out, Father, whenever we lift our head or whenever we bow our knee. We thank you and praise you, Father, for the blessing you are in our life and for the guidance and direction you are willing to give if we ask. We praise thee, Father, thank thee for allowing us to share together here tonight, this morning. And may we take the presence of that Spirit with us as we Leave this building. Watch over and protect us. We praise you and and are eager, Father, to continue to be with you. Thank you, Father. Bless each one here today and those who had a desire to be with us. We are so thankful for the blessing that you are in our life and the gift of your son, Jesus. And we pray it in his name, in the name of Jesus Christ, your son. Amen.